So glad to have you here today, and you can open your Bibles to Psalm 98, or turn in your Bibles, or however it is that you get to the Word of God on phone or by paper and, and ink. Psalm 98, and you can follow along as I read aloud from Psalm 98. It says this, O sing to the Lord a new song, for He has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made known his salvation. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of the melody, with the trumpets and the sound of the horn. Make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and all those who dwell in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. This is the word of the Lord. Well, you may be wondering to yourself, we're one week from Christmas. What in the world does this psalm have to do with Christmas? We'll get there in just a moment. But for the month of December, we've been in a series called Christmas Carols, Singing Our Savior's Birth. And it's been fun for me. I hope it's been for you as we've been examining some famous Christmas carols and looking at the theology, looking at the truth, looking at the just great dynamic lyrics, the poetic lyrics that we sing every December. Well, some of you have been singing it since November 1st, right? Some of you are listening to Christmas music for several months now, and then you'll turn it off on December 26th. But whether, whether you like to listen to it early or you wait until like now, the week before Christmas, we love these songs. We hear it in our shopping centers, in our malls, in our stores. We see it and hear it on commercials. And what we want to do is we want to leverage this time that we're hearing about it all the time. But we want to pay attention and focus on the lyrics that sing the praises of our Savior's Birth. And so a couple of weeks ago, we, we looked at Go Tell It on the Mountain, and we heard from Isaiah 52 this good news, this good news of, of the one who's delivered with beautiful feet, a message that says, our God reigns. And Christmas is the good news that Jesus is king. Last week, uh, we looked at the song, God Rest Ye Merry, gentlemen, right? Let you rest in merriment and joy and pleasure. Why? Because Jesus has come and Christmas is the good news that replaces our fear with comfort. We saw that from Hebrews chapter 2 verses 14 to 15. Well, this morning we come to our third and final carol of this series. And this carol is Joy to the World by Isaac Watts. Joy to the World. Now, this song is an English Christmas carol. This carol was written in 1719. Anybody around in 1719? Now, this would be a terrible time to make a joke that my mother might have been there in 1719. But I wouldn't dare do that to you, Mom. Uh, I'm sure the grandkids will a little bit later. She's probably like, hey, Grammy, what, uh, Grams, what was going on with Isaac Watts when he wrote that song? But we won't do that today. 
Now, this carol was written in 1719 by the English minister and hymn writer Isaac Watts. He's one of the greatest hymn writers in the history of the English language and of the church. Its lyrics of Joy to the World are an interpretation of Psalm 98. Okay? So there you go. That's why we read Psalm 98 this morning, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. And though this is one of the most popular Christmas carols, it wasn't written initially to celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ at Christmas. Rather, it was looking forward, looking forward to the future return of Jesus to the earth. However, since the 20th century, joy to the world has been the most published Christmas hymn in North America. Did you know that? Now, that's some trivia that you could take to your Christmas table uh, here this uh, next weekend. What's the most popular uh, Christmas carol of the 20th century? Joy to the world. And so I'm going to pause now as we've been doing the last couple of weeks, and we're going to have some helpers come up, not just singers, but we've got some uh, instruments here today, and we're going to sing Joy to the World. Take it away, yeah, Pastor Henry. You bet. Why don't we stand, church? You guys look so comfortable. <laughs> Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let us. Thank you. Now, that was an oboe and a flute, correct? Boy, it really classed up the place. Thanks, Pastor Hang, for inviting them to come. Boy, that was great. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. And as we're going to take a look here for a few minutes at Psalm 98, I want to introduce our big idea to you this morning. It's this. Christmas is the shout of joy to a world of sorrow. Christmas is the shout of joy to a world of sorrow, but what is joy? What is that? How do we define something that is somewhat ambiguous and abstract? 
Well, joy can be defined, according to the Bible even, as a feeling, an action. It's a state of well-being. It's happiness. Joy is gladness of heart. Now, joy can come from many different sources and circumstances, but, but we see that that kind of joy, it can come and it can go, it can ebb and flow based upon our circumstances. However, however, the joy that comes from God is received by faith. And it's a joy that soars above our temporary circumstances. It finds its source in the unchanging character of God. See, the kind of joy that comes from him is not sourced in our circumstances. It's sourced in the character of God. This joy looks at who God is. It focuses on what he's done. It's constantly considering what he will do in love and what he has done out of the goodness of his heart for his people. And so, when we say that Christmas is the shout of joy to a world of sorrow, we're saying that this joy comes from God and is focused on God. But why does joy seem so fragile? Why does joy sometimes seem so distant? Maybe you came through our doors today and you felt like the last thing I feel today is joy. My week has been really hard. My month has been really hard. 2022 has put me through the ringer. And in case you didn't know this, we're still still dealing with COVID and all the effects of it, right? Well, why would we have joy? It seems so fleeting. God didn't create the world this way for us to be grasping constantly, reaching for joy. You see, Genesis 1 through 2, it describes a world full of joy. Everything that God made was good, and the people he created, the man and the woman, Adam and Eve, he called this creation of humanity very good, right? But Genesis 3 tells us how perfect and unending joy was stripped from our world. See, the man and woman, they sinned against God by rejecting him as their source of joy. The serpent, the devil, who we, we looked at him a little bit last week, he tempted Adam and Eve, and, and they believed the lie that they could pursue their own joy apart from God. And, and in Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 to 17, we see a picture of a world that would be under God's curse. One of the greatest joys in, in all the world, the birth of a child, would now become extremely painful for women. And not just pain, there would also now be conflict between people. Conflict between husbands and wives, parents and children, brothers and sisters, between friends, neighbors, nations and kingdoms. Conflict. And then there's work, work which was supposed to be a joyful demonstration of human flourishing. It, it would now become really, really difficult. The ground that brings forth nourishing fruit would also bring thorns and weeds. The work of humanity would now be hard. We then had to make bread by the sweat of our faces, these verses say, because of the hard labor that it would take. 
And the ultimate sign of the curse of sin in this world will come at the end of our hard lives of childbearing, at the end of conflict, at the end of pain and toil. What do we get at the end of this life? The great curse would come as we breathed our final breath and returned to the ground from which we came. Where's the joy? Where's your joy? That joy may be the last thing that's on your mind as you would describe your emotional state today. But friends, I want to bring us back to our big idea that we're going to see now from Psalm 98. It's this. Christmas is the shout of joy to a world of sorrow. Christmas is the declaration of joy rooted in the character of God, declared to a world of sadness and pain and conflict. Christmas is the shout of joy to a world of sorrow. Let's take a look at this. Psalm 98 Verses 1 through 3, and our first point here today is this. We shout joyfully because of God's love. We shout joyfully because of God's love. Right there in the very first verse, it says, we're going to sing a new song to the Lord. A new song that fits a new occasion because the Lord has done what only he can do. He has performed miracles to deliver his people. Now, we've seen this before in Scripture. We've seen songs that are sung when God delivers his people. We see Noah give a sacrifice of praise to God when he emerges from the ark and and puts his feet on dry ground being spared from the flood that covered the earth in Genesis 6. We also see uh, Joseph who's spared and delivered by God as he's betrayed by his own family members and God uh, causes him to ascend to the second place in all the kingdom of Egypt We see God's people singing songs of joy, songs of joy as they emerge from Egypt through the exodus delivered under the leadership of Moses. They sing songs of joy. But in verse 1 of Psalm 98, this is a new song. It's a new song of joy for a new day of deliverance. These verses say that, verse 1 says that his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. Now, this, this word here, the salvation, it's the idea. It conveys the idea of victory, victory, deliverance, defeat of his foes, and rescue and freedom for his people. He's just kind of flexing his muscles a little bit, right? He's flexing on his foes. I love it. It's this idea of victory. And all the nations have seen it, verse 2 says. This isn't just a local temporary victory. This is a global victory. This is a big victory. This is a universal victory that all eyes can see. So when you think of victory, especially as a king over his foes, you probably think of a king riding in on a tank. You think of a king riding in on a horse with a sword and a shield and spears and armies. Is this the kind of victory that our God has won? Verse 3 tells us this. How did he win this victory? He won this victory through love. He said, it says in verse 3, He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness. His steadfast love, his never failing love, his unconditional and unending love, and his commitment to keep his promises, his faithfulness. This is a global victory. It's it's a demonstration to the nations of his steadfast love and faithfulness. 
This love of God is the kind of love that keeps its promises. It's faithful love. It's never-ending love. I, I, I love this kind of love. This is what we crave for, isn't it? Someone to love us and knowing that no matter what happens, that person is going to continue to love me. This is what we see in the promise-keeping, steadfast, faithful, loving God. But we lack joy because we lack love. Our love is fickle. Our love is, is kind of flimsy, right? Uh, you know, you've heard the phrase, I've just fallen out of love with that person. Love is fickle. Our love is transactional, right? Well, you come 50% of the way and I'll meet you halfway there, right? You keep up your end of the bargain and I'll keep up my end of the bargain and then maybe we can be in a loving relationship. Our love is also conditional. You gotta check all the boxes before I could ever love you. But this love of God is, is faithful. It's steadfast. It's based in his character, not our character. Praise be to God for that, right? Not many of us are lovely, right? But he is loving. He's loving. The psalm writer here in Psalm 98 sings a new song of joy because God has flexed his muscles of strength and deliverance of his people. But his arm isn't violent. It's loving, it's faithful. He shows up in power to keep his promises to Israel and to all of humanity. Friend, this love is extended to you. This love is extended to me, to us. It's global. And, and, and the psalm writer is saying, this is a number one hit. All the nations have heard about it. It's the number one hit song on the music charts. It's a song of love, and that love brings us joy. Joy to the world. Now, we've seen a lot of love songs hit number one on the charts. I want to highlight one for you here today. Whitney Houston, I will always love you, right? And there she is, that beautiful scene where that beat comes back, and there she is in the snow, right? I think maybe the greatest female pop singer of all time. She was amazing. Whitney Houston, I will always love you. Now, this song was originally written in 1973 by Dolly Parton. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I had to learn that. But Whitney recorded a soul ballad arrangement for it in 1992. It was number one for a record-breaking 14 weeks. It became a diamond single. And with over 20 million copies of the single sold, it became the best-selling single of all time by a female solo artist. That's a mouthful. Wow. She won the Grammy Award for the record of the year in 1994 for it. Uh, it's about a breakup, but it's a confession that no matter where life takes you, I, I, I will always love you. There we go, right? I mean, come on now. If you've not sung that in the shower, something's wrong with you, right? Just don't sing it to yourself in the mirror. That's a little weird. But in verse 2, she sings, I hope life treats you kind, and I hope you have all you've dreamed of, and I'm wishing you joy and happiness, but above all this, I wish you love. And it's really as she's saying goodbye. I, 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 I will always love you. This is the best we can do, friends, in a world of sorrow. You know, there's no promise of tomorrow with you and me. I hope that I can always, always love you. But I don't know that I can trust in the same for you toward me. There's no guarantees except a hope of faithful, never-ending 
promise-keeping love. Psalm 98 is so much greater. It's a song of true joy. The steadfast love of God and his faithfulness. Christmas is the shout of joy to a world of sorrow. And God can do much better than even the great Whitney Houston. And he says, I, I, I will always love you. We shout joyfully because of God's love. And I'm going to ask you to do it right now together. I want to obey the psalm. The psalm says make a joyful sound. Uh, Hey, listen, it doesn't have to be a beautiful sound. Make a joyful noise, right? So together we're going to say, our God loves us, okay? One, two, three. Our God loves us. Praise be to God. A shout of joy to a world of sorrow. Your God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. But we don't just shout joyfully because of his love. Point number two from this psalm is this. We shout joyfully because of God's reign. We shout joyfully because of God's reign. R-E-I-G-N. In California, we we shouted joyfully because of R-A-I-N, right? But no, because of his reign, his kingdom. Verse four says, make a, a joyful noise. Break forth into joyous song. It's this, it's this idea that the psalm writer can't contain himself. I'm full of so much joy. It's just busting out and I've got to sing praises to this king. And then in verses 5 through 6, we see all the instruments fitting of a king in victory. We see the lyre and we see uh, the melody. We see trumpets and we see the horn. And they're all brought together in this beautiful orchestra, this symphony of praise to our great king and our great God because he is the victor and he reigns. He reigns. A real king. You don't vote this king in and you can't vote this king out. Praise be to God. No, he reigns because he's the creator of all the universe. He knows every heart. He sees all. He knows all. And he loves his people. There isn't a better king in all the earth, friends. This is no dictator. This is no despot. No, this is a king, a benevolent king of kings and lord of lords. And so the psalmist, the psalm writer, he's just bursting out. He's saying, just get the instruments out. Let's just play as loudly as we can because this king is riding into town as a great victor. He's flexed his muscles of love and faithfulness to his people. He's vanquished our foes. He deserves a song of praise. This is a victory parade. It's a shout And at the end of verse 6, it says, make a joyful noise before the king. Well, who's that? It's the Lord. It's the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who has delivered his people. It's a victory of parade. It's a shout. It's a joyful, victorious noise. The crowd goes wild over this global, miraculous victory of God. He showed off his power. He flexed his muscles of love and faithfulness for his people. He's vanquished his foes and he's rescued us. Line the streets, let the confetti fall. The Lord is king and with him we are the champ. You didn't know I was going to sing today, right? We are the champions, right? Wow, Freddie Mercury, Whitney Houston, these are some singers, right? We're the champions. The champions throw a parade. 
Throw a parade. You ever been to a victory parade before? I would love to go to a victory parade someday. You know, a couple of years, uh, Golden State Warriors, they're a pretty good basketball team, by the way. I've heard there's an NBA team locally. I just haven't seen them yet, right? Uh, you know, I, I hear rumors that there are one. I'm just kidding. I lo- I'm, I'm loving the Wizards too. But uh, just people would line the streets, line the streets to see the champions ride in with the championship trophy. And, and I've got another slide here for you today. Um, Let's see, the 2006 FIFA World Cup champions, Italy, the nation of Italy. And I remember watching this on TV, and I just love this scene, right? There, there's the captain of the squad, and he's raising up the trophy, and this confetti just bursts into the air, and you see all of just this joy of victory. Now, today, a World Cup champion is being decided. Do not check the scores right now. They're playing right now. No one tell each other. We can watch it later after Jesus gets our full devotion right now. But I want to talk about a real champion today. One country today will bask in the glow of ultimate victory, while the other will slump in the despair of defeat. But in the next week, we're going to see a parade either in Paris, France, or in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Someone's going to win, someone's going to lose, but this parade, this parade for this king, this, this parade that's a, a bursting out of joy and praise for the Lord, this parade is universal. It, it will cover all the earth, and it brings joy to the earth. It brings peace to the earth. It brings hope to the earth, joy to the world. The Lord is Come, let earth receive her king. Friend, I hope you will be a part of that parade. It is going to be an awesome day where we will declare the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. It won't be up for grabs again in four years like the World Cup. He shall reign forever and ever, and the party will go on for on and on for all of eternity because this king reigns. Victory. How much victory have you experienced in your life? Your joys may be stripped from you today because no matter how hard you work on the job, no matter how committed you feel like you are in this relationship, no matter how you try to get that grass as green as possible, guess what? It's going to turn brown in December, right? We try victory in so many big ways and small ways, but in the end, Our victories seem to be an exception, but we often feel like we live in a world of defeat and sorrow. Christmas is the shout of joy to a world of defeat, to a world of sorrow. And we shout joyfully because our God reigns. Thirdly, Psalm 98, we see this. We shout joyfully because of God's justice. We shout joyfully because of God's justice. Verse 9 of Psalm 98 again says that we, we sing of this joy before the Lord for he comes to judge the earth. He comes to judge the earth. Now that may make you uh, a little bit fearful if he's coming as a wicked or corrupt judge. We see many in our, even our, our great legal systems, the best systems on the planet still are infiltrated by corruption and wickedness and lack of integrity. But no, 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 this king, it says in verse 9, he will judge the world with righteousness, uprighteousness, fairness, 
equality, equity. He is not impartial. He is not a God who is one that judges corruptly. You can't bribe this king, this judge. No, no, no. He brings the justice that we cry out for, that we call out for. The whole world sees God's arm. They see his victory. And his arrival signals the new era of his reign, the kingdom. And his kingdom is characterized by his righteousness. He judges the world with justice. Friend, I don't know about you, but all you got to do is turn on the news. And you've probably said this yourself, how long, O Lord? How long, O Lord? So much injustice, so much death. So much crime, so much pain, so much sorrow, so much abuse, so much racism, so much exploitation. Lord, where is your justice? Christmas brings justice to the world. Christmas. In Washington, D.C., on August 28, 1963, Go to the next slide. More than a quarter million people participated in the historic March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom. Gathering near the Lincoln Memorial, more than 3,000 members of the press covered this historic march where Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. delivered the exalted I Have a Dream speech. Originally conceived by uh, the renowned labor leader, uh, Philip Randolph and Roy Wilkins, executive secretary of the NAACP, the March on Washington evolved into a collaborative effort amongst major civil rights groups and icons of the day, stemming from a rapidly growing tide of grassroots support and outrage over the nation's racial inequities. The rally drew over 260,000 people from across the nation. It's celebrated as one of the greatest, if not the greatest, Speech of the 20th century, Dr. King's celebrated speech, I have a dream. This was carried by television stations all across the country. This march was one of the largest political rallies for human rights in the United States history. And this march is credited with helping to pass the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I have a dream. People marching, people crying out. People standing for the need for justice, real justice in our world. And if it can't start in our own backyard, how else is it going to start throughout the world? We cry out for justice, rightly so. We crave justice. We long for justice. And we see this king riding in in victory. This king of Psalm 98, he doesn't just come in love And in victory, he comes with a future on his mind. He brings real justice, real justice to the earth. No questions about his integrity, no corruption, no bribery, no prejudice, just perfect justice for this world, this justice that's been fleeing from us like joy and hope and love. Ever since the garden in Genesis 3, we see in Genesis 4, right after that, what happens outside the garden, outside of God's kingdom, outside of his realm, we see a brother murder another brother. Where is the justice? And it's been happening for millennia since, friends. Oh, how we need this righteous justice. 
This righteous judge of Psalm 98. I love the song we sang this morning, this carol. He rules the world with truth and grace. And he makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. A glorious righteousness. Joy to the world. Christmas is the shout of joy to a world of sorrow. We see it in Psalm 98. Isaac Watts poetically wrote about it in his song, Joy to the World. We shout joyfully because of God's love. We shout joyfully because of God's reign. We shout joyfully because of God's justice. Friend, does your heart long for justice? Does it long for justice? Does it crave justice? And if it isn't for yourself, oh, I hope it's for your fellow man, the one who's abused, the one who's oppressed, the one who's mistreated. We crave it. This is a shout of joy, Psalm 98. A shout of joy. It was promised to Israel, but its impact was universal. This is for the whole world, the psalmist writes. It's the arrival of God's love. The shout of joy, the song of joy is a, a shout of his great reign. The song of Psalm 98 is a song of praise to him for his justice because it's the reversal of the curse for all creation. You see, all creation was put under a curse. In Psalm 98, verses 7 to 8, we just saw, I, I skipped over it a little bit. It says, this, this joy, this, this great joy that bursts out into song, it, it goes beyond just human tongues and human voices. It says in verses 7 to 8, let the sea roar. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the hills sing for joy. The hills are alive with the sound of music, right? This is the theme of hope, of joy for the whole world. And it's echoed throughout the Bible. Songs of joy. In fact, Psalm 96, verses 11 to 13, it says this. Let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, longed for this day as well. And he writes poetically in Isaiah 49, 13. Sing for joy, O heavens, and exult, O earth. Break forth, O mountains, into singing. For the Lord has comforted his people, and he will have compassion on his afflicted. Isaiah 55, he writes again, verses 12 to, 14, uh, 12 to 13. For you shall go out in joy. Say it with me. You shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace the mountains and the hills break uh, you, uh, the hills break you shall break forth into singing and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands instead of the thorns shall come up the cypress instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle and that shall make a name for the Lord an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off friends all creation awaits the arrival of this king clapping their hands Singing with their voices. Now, I don't know if this is literal. It seems to be poetic to me, but it just seems to me that the earth, the earth, and every once in a while in California, we would get these trembles, and I wonder, is it the earth just waiting to break out and burst out into song, waiting for the redemption of the king to come to this earth and remove the curse forever? Friends, if the, the, if the trees can clap their hands, 
the mountains can sing songs, and if the oceans can roar, can we, his people, give him a shout of praise for his goodness? Yes, for his love, for his righteousness, and for his reign. We shout a shout of joy to this God. Christmas is the shout of a world, a shout of joy to a world of sorrow. But where is the joy today? How do we see it? The Psalms looked forward to it. Isaiah prophesied of it. But where is this joy? This is the theme of Scripture, friends. We have joy who has come to the earth. And I'll go through this quickly for you. It's the promise of joy that we see going all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. God promises the man and the woman that we're about to die. He says, a seed is coming to you. A child is coming to you who will redeem you from this curse. Isaiah, once again, in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace. Friend, this is a king that was coming, a king that was being looked forward to, a child, a baby, a Messiah, this promise of joy. Well, as we know, God is faithful. He always fulfills his promises. And so we see the arrival of this bundle of joy. We see it in Luke 2, 10 to 14, and Luke 25 to 32. And we, we know the story well. The angel shows up to some shepherds, and these shepherds are afraid. And what does the angel declare to these shepherds? Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great, say it with me, joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The arrival of this child was the signal that Psalm 98 was kicking in, friends. We've got the one who is bringing joy because of his love, because of his reign, because of his justice, and it's found not in a king on a tank, but in a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This arrival of joy Later on in the chapter, Simeon, an old man who was told that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Messiah. He sees Mary bring in the baby into the temple and he takes the baby into his arms. He says, now I can die in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation. He's a light to the Gentiles and the glory for your people Israel. I've seen this joy, this king has come. The arrival of joy is found in the arrival of Jesus. Friends, if you're looking for joy today, look to the baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. He is the king who delivers the joy, the justice, the love, the victory that we long for. Not only that, we have the hope of joy. You see, Jesus came once and he's coming back again. You see, he didn't come conquering violently. No, he allowed violence to be done to himself. He died on a cross for the sins of you and of me and of us and of the world. And he rose victorious from, victoriously from the grave. Why? So that you and I can have joy. 
joy to the world. Friends, he ascended to heaven and he's coming back again. Peter says this, we wait for the second coming of this Messiah, not as a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger, but as a victorious king riding on a white horse. He is coming back, friends. He is coming back, this King Jesus. And this is the future hope for those of us who wait and look to the past and are waiting and looking to the future. Revelation 21, 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and first earth passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne of heaven saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. Neither shall there be any mourning, nor crying, nor pain, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Joy to the world. The Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Joy to the world, friends. This is the message of Christmas. Christmas is the shout of joy to a world of sorrow. But what does this mean for Monday? What does this mean for Monday? Just one thing. Just one thing. And, and the song that we sang says it. There's only one way to respond. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. And what does it say next? Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. That's what we like to say around here. What does it mean for Monday? How does this impact my life today? It sounds like this joy, this victory, this reign, this love, it's universal. But friend, I'm telling you, there's something about this king. He's not going to force himself on you. No, what he's going to do is saying, will you open your heart to me? Will you prepare any room in your heart for me? I hope You've prepared room in your heart for Jesus. Now, as we get ready for the holidays, you may be traveling somewhere to go visit family or friends or or a long-lost neighbor that you're going to visit, right? Maybe you've got family that are coming to visit you, but it would be really unloving if you, you went all this way, if you got on an airplane and traveled all the way across the country and you showed up and you found out that your host didn't prepare any room for you to stay, Right? They said, oh, I forgot you were coming, or I didn't think you really meant it, or, hey, you can, you know, you could just sleep on the floor, or maybe I could just find you a hotel. It wouldn't feel very loving. And the same is reverse. If, if you had a family member coming, and, and you didn't prepare any room for them, how could you show and demonstrate your love for them? Friend, this Christmas, what we do with this king is that we prepare room in our hearts for him. Some of you may have him in the living room of your heart, but there are places, rooms that you've closed off to him. Areas of your life where you say, well, that's off limits to you, Jesus. Oh, friend, that is no path to joy. That's a path to despair. That's a path to sorrow. How is the Lord inviting you this Christmas to open up your heart and prepare room for him? Now, you may have walked in here today and said, you know what? I, I am just here to try and gain something to get me through this season. You're one of those, those that we, we sometimes see at Christmas time or we see at Easter, and we're so glad that you're here. Please don't be ashamed that you've showed up once over the last six months. We're glad that you're here. But I want to tell you, Christmas is more than a season. 
It's an event of the arrival of the King. Christmas is the good news of joy, good news of joy to a world of sorrow. And if you've been living in sorrow today, I want to ask you, will you open up your heart to this King who is Jesus? Let every heart prepare him room. Call upon his name. Turn away from your sin and your rebellion against him. Turn away from relying upon yourself as the one who can give you real love and joy and victory. It's not been working for you, friend. It never worked for me either. But when we prepare room in our hearts for this king, we can find joy that's inexpressible and joy that's full of glory. A joy that every Christmas looks back at the Savior King who was born and laid in a manger and a Savior who is coming once again as King and Lord over all the earth. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Oh, I pray that this Christmas you'd receive him as King of your life by preparing room in your heart for him. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, We thank you so much that the King has come. The King has come and he's defeated a a death blow to our greatest enemy, to Satan, to sin, to death, through coming and being born and being laid in a manger. But more than that, by growing up and living in this world and being hung on a cross for our sins. Oh, how we thank you for the Savior of the world. And Lord, we long for that day when Jesus returns, he breaks through the clouds and comes and put his feet on this earth again. That's a, the best Christmas gift we could ever receive. The reception of this king who brings real love that we long for. Real victory that eludes us. Real justice that we crave. We look to Jesus, King Jesus. I pray that you would allow us to prepare room in our hearts for this king during this season. Lord, if there's anyone here that's never, ever received this King as the Lord of their hearts, oh, I pray that they would bow in submission today, that you would break them down so that you could build them up again, so that they can experience the real joy to the world that overcomes their sorrows for the first time. Oh, that they call upon your name, Lord Jesus, by faith. Please do that work in our hearts this Christmas season. That we would go as we get on the freeways and trains and, and buses and airplanes. That we would go with that message, the shout of praise that tells our friends that the King has come. And there is joy to the world. Joy to the world. We pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus our King. Amen.